text of emphasis is found in the book of Acts chapter 2 and starting with verse 42. And it says there this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray again. God, as we consider the words of the account of the newborn baby Christian church, and we think about our church here, we pray for insight and understanding on who you are and who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been around um, Advent Hope for a while, you know at the uh, beginning of each calendar year, we like to stop everything that we're doing and just spend a little bit of time uh, thinking about what we're, what we're doing here, why we exist and what we uh, do as a church. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing that, just stopping and thinking about what, what's going on here, what, what we're doing here, and uh, why we exist. And so we start that uh, today. You know, the churches have been around, the Christian church has been around for 2,000 years. Avent Hope, uh, as you know by now, has been here 60 years. We're celebrating the 60th anniversary here in 2016 and 2017. But unless uh, we stop and ask ourselves some important existential questions like this. What are we doing and why do we exist? We're always in danger of losing our relevance. We don't want that to happen. So that's going to be our journey for the next several weeks. Now, as we start today and think about our existence, uh, it's important to consider this. Uh, The church isn't working. Uh, for everyone. Um, I'm not specifically talking about Advent Hope, and yet certainly even Advent Hope is not working for everyone. Um, But the larger church, there are some problems. Sociologists have determined that the percentage of those who consider themselves, quote, a Christian in the United States dropped 8% between the year 2007 and uh, 2015. That means that 3,500 people every day leave the uh, church in the United States. I was at a a meeting for the Greater New York Conference. This is the the organizing body of all of the Adventist churches, or, or many of the Adventist churches in the Greater New York area. And they had some crazy statistic that over the past 15 years, something like 80% of all young adults have left the church, don't stick around. 
And uh, so this is, this is an issue. The church is not working for everyone. You know this because although you're here today, you may have gone through spells where the church didn't seem to be working for you. You may be in a spell like that now, or you certainly know someone who the church just isn't working uh, for them. It's, it's a statistic I've heard before and certainly believe that there are far more uh, Advent Christians in the New York area who aren't a part of a local church than who are. And that's just the Adventist community. And so Christianity as a whole is a wrestling with this issue of, of facing challenges where the church just isn't, isn't working for many. Um, there's a report from CNN that was released in May 14th of 2015, and it's referencing a Pew study that uh, was released just shortly before this. Uh, it was a massive, again, sociological study, and it got down to people's religious uh, beliefs. And so I'm going to read a few portions of that, and this is how the article starts. Again, this is from May 14th of 2015. At the core, Christian life is a set of sacred traditions linking generations of sacraments and Sunday school lessons, youth ministry, morals, and family gatherings sanctified by prayer, an unbroken circle in the words of the old hymn. The article continues, released Tuesday, the survey of 35,000 American adults shows the Christian percentage of the population dropping immensely to 70.6% of the population. Uh, in 2007, the last time that uh, the Pew uh, researchers conducted a similar uh, survey, 78.4% of American adults called themselves Christian. In the meantime, almost every major branch of Christianity in the United States has lost a significant number of members. Pew found mainly, uh, Pew found mainly because millennials are leaving the fold. More than one-third of the millennials now say that they are unaffiliated with any faith, and that's up to 10 percentage points since 2007. People who profess no faith affiliation, often called nuns, as in none of the above, now form nearly 23% of the country's adult population, according to the Pew study. That puts the unaffiliated nearly on par with evangelicals, who are 25.4%, Catholics at 21%, and way ahead of mainline Protestants, who hold 14.7% of the population. While Pew's study will likely cheer the hearts of atheists, the rapid rise of religiously unaffiliated Americans hasn't necessarily spawned a generation of more atheists. Just 3% of the nuns, those identifying with no faith, call themselves atheists. A small bump from 2007 when 1.5 did the same. Uh, 4% say they are agnostic, meaning that they don't know if God exists, a gain of just 1.6 percentage points seven years ago. Well, the implication is that people are leaving their churches, but not because they've lost uh, faith, they're not becoming atheists or agnostics, so then what's the problem? And the article goes on to make this assertion. Many young Christians seem bored by church. 
Christianity in the United States hasn't done a good job of engaging serious Christian reflection with young, with young people in ways that would be relevant to their lives. If it is the case that millennials are less atheists than they are bored, then serious engagement with Christian through social innovation and deep intellectual reflection might offer promising signs of hope. Again, I would imagine that for most of you, this is not uh, surprising news. Again, whether in your own experience you just have felt at least at times that church isn't doing what uh, it's supposed to do, or you know people who, again, haven't given up their faith, but are certainly not engaged with a faith community. So I would imagine that this isn't unfamiliar territory for you. Would that be fair to say? Um, so what is happening? That's the, that's the question for the day. And as we here at Advent Hope think about the implications of, of this, and certainly this reality is part of Advent Hope's a reality, we need to think about this. An article written by Dave Kinneman, and David is a Barna researcher. You know, Barna is an organization that does specific polling research among uh, Christians. David Kinneman identified six reasons why he, he believes the church to be less effective than it could be. His uh, first assertion is that uh, those who have left, those nuns, believe that the church is too isolationist, meaning the church is not engaged enough with contemporary culture in a meaning, meaningful way. In fact, oftentimes the church sees contemporary culture in an antagonistic way. A film, literature, whatever, the church doesn't have a good relationship with it and distances itself. So while we as a, as a the people are consuming more of, more of the culture, more of pop culture, the church seems so against everything in the culture. And so this isolation is, is a problem. And so people are leaving because they don't see a good dialogue between the church and the culture. The second assertion uh, David makes is that the church is oftentimes too shallow. The church is too shallow. It's uh, irrelevant to many of the important topics that our culture is discussing at large. It's uh, too formal. And church has just become a, a series of events, a series of events, not uh, doing anything in a meaningful way, just the form of we've got to do this, we've been doing it every a week, and we keep doing it over and over and over again. And Certainly this is a, a challenge again here for, at Avent Hope. You know, we... We prepare and conduct uh, at least 104 worship services uh, every year. And, uh, you know, these are good times that we come together, but uh, these can kind of be events. And so we have to guard against this becoming kind of a shallow uh, thing that we all come to like we would go to a movie once a week and go home and nothing really has a change. And so Kinneman is saying, look, the church is too, too shallow. answering questions no one is asking, not dealing and engaging with the conversation that the culture is having at large. Uh, thirdly, Kinnaman says that the, the church is perceived by many of the nuns as anti-science, anti-science. Now, this is kind of ironic in that many of the, 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 the great scientists of old 
were people of faith. Where in fact, many of them were Christian believers. That today, the church would uh, be perceived as anti-science. And I mean, you know, this is not just a perception. The reality is that uh, the church often uh, is anti-science. It's not engaged in a meaningful way with what, what science is telling us. And, and is oftentimes antagonistic. Again, again this is somewhat ironic since uh, the study of, of nature, <laughs> you would you would think would be an, an important element of what the church is about. And so this, anti, this appearance of anti-science has, has created problems. Uh, fourthly, the church is too simplistic about sex. This is what Kinnaman says, that the church doesn't have a great ethic about sex, and the church doesn't talk about sex very often. And so, uh, again, people are thinking the church is not wrestling with questions that uh, everyone is thinking about. Uh, fifthly, he says the church is too exclusive. Uh, three in ten young people feel the church is too exclusive in this pluralistic and multicultural age. So the culture at large, certainly in a city like New York, is diverse and, and, and multicultural, but the church can be too exclusive. And then finally, Kinnaman says, that the church is not a safe place to express doubt. That the church is not a safe place to express doubt. Everyone has doubts, and yet Kinnaman's assertion after his research is that most churches don't deal with doubt well, don't encourage dialogue on a doubt. And so Kinnaman asserts that these six things, and of course I'm sure that we could sit here and probably come up with more because you know the reality of why church isn't working for either you or for others that you know. Um, and re reflecting on this as we begin this new year and thinking about Advent Hope and what we want to be as a community is important. And so the next question is what are the implications of an ineffective church. What are the implications of an ineffective church? Uh, and there are a couple, and you can make the case that some of these aren't implications, but maybe be root causes, but we'll, we'll think of them as implications for now. And the first implication is that for many, uh, spirituality or faith has become individualistic. So you have people who are leaving the church, who are finding that the church just isn't meeting their needs for many reasons, including maybe the six that Kinnaman mentions. Um, but most of them are not becoming atheists or agnostic. They're not giving up faith completely. They're not saying, I don't believe in God. They're just not a part of a, of a church because the church isn't doing it for them. And so for many, spirituality has become individualistic. There's a trend in spirituality for religious people to break off from organized religion and practice spirituality completely on their own. And the individualization of spirituality um, is, is prominent. I mean, you can make the case that this is happening even for those who are, attend a church service. That where the rubber hits the road is always in the, in the individual, in the personal, and the private. Now, certainly... Uh, faith has an element of the personal, of the private, of the individualistic, but is that all there is to the Christian faith? Um, the second implication of an ineffective church is that uh, the church 
uh, loses its sense of uh, community, of community, of being a, a, a people. I mean, the, the idea of the church originally, the, the ecclesia, is that it's a, it's a body of people. It's not a, it's not a, a place that you go to. And you know, even, even for those of you who have been around church culture long enough, you know even in our language, oftentimes we, we think and, and speak of the church in ways that is actually not helpful in clearly defining the church as what it is. You know, I go to the church, and it's at this particular place, in, in, at, and it meets at this particular uh, time. But is that really what the church is supposed to be? Is, it a, is the church a geographic uh, location? Is the church a, 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 a meeting at a particular a place and time? Well, th- this is one of the implications of the church being ineffective, that the church becomes a location. It becomes an event. And that is a challenge. So that leads us to, to the last question, and that is this. Uh, what is the solution? What's the solution to an ineffective uh, church? And for the answer to this, it might be helpful to look at uh, what's said in the New Testament, and particularly um, in the words of Jesus. In John chapter uh, 17, Jesus, at the end of his ministry, has an extended prayer that's recorded. And he first starts uh, praying for uh, his work and for his disciple team, his leadership team that he has with them. But then he changes his uh, focus to the church at large because it's, Jesus sets up the church himself. And so he wants to pray for this church that he knows he's going to be leaving soon. And so in John chapter 17 and verse 20, we, we read this. This is Jesus. My prayer is not for my disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So the disciples were given a task. They were going to go out and they were going to share this message about Jesus and what he had done. Jesus wants to pray not just for them and for their work, but for all who are going to hear this message and embrace this message. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This prayer is full of a lot of stuff. I mean, the first thing that jumps to mind is for those of, who, who sit around and you know, think about not just the church being ineffective or ineffective among those who are already part of it, but being effective to the culture at large. Well, how do we be effective at the culture at large? And people have come up with all kinds of ideas. You know, we, we hand out theological material or we, you know, we do things to influence people. But according to Jesus here, the, the, the testimony, the re- real thing that will, will, will cause people to, to take a second look at church is that the, those who, who believe are unified and become 
one, who live in community with, with each other. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. What, what, what's that thing that's going to be a, 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 an influencer for a people who don't know about God? Well, it's going to be that the people who do know God function as, as one, as a unified community, as a body of believers. So how do we live in this loving, worshipful relationship with God? How do we function as one? The newborn baby Christian church is maybe most clearly described in the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles of Jesus. And uh, the, the book itself describes a lot of the things that happened to this newborn baby group of, of people. And uh, we start in Acts chapter 1, and we read uh, this, and this is the narrative of what happens to Jesus' disciples immediately after he leaves. So if you remember, as described in uh, the book of Luke and other places, Jesus comes back from the day he's resurrected, he spends time hanging out with his disciples, and then he ascends to, to heaven. And so in Acts chapter 1, picks up immediately after those events, and it says in verse 12 of Acts 1, the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas son of James. They then all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And so Jesus ascends, they go back uh, to the room where they're staying, and they start uh, praying together. And apparently they pray together for uh, 10 days because we read in Acts chapter 2, 1, that they're still there when the day of uh, Pentecost comes, Pentecost was a holiday that they celebrated. And so in verse 1 of, of chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So the picture is they've been praying for this 10-day period. They're together. And um, we pick up in verse 2. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with awe and the Holy Spirit was poured out and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I would imagine that if David Kinneman or the Pew researchers could go back in time and they could take a poll of that group of uh, people who were there on that day that they would get drastically different responses than what the Pew researchers and David Kinneman got when they, when they polled people of the church today. Nobody was like, the, uh, the church is irrelevant to me. It's so boring. 
the Holy Spirit came. Suddenly they were able to do things that they were not able to do before, and not because they, you know, got online and started studying some, you know, quick uh, language courses. You know, I, 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 was, I was in, you know, Paris last year, and I don't know French, so I thought, you know, I'm going to go and, you know, pick up some things before I go over there, and it didn't work very well. I ate lots of bread and cheese, because that's all I could order anywhere. Um, they, 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 they were able to do something they couldn't do before. None of them were thinking, uh, this is boring. In fact, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.42 continues the narrative to tell, and this is our text of emphasis today, today that we read earlier, continues to tell of what happened to this group of, of people. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They became like, like hungry to know more about what was going on, and so they, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship with each other. They wanted to be together. They were devoted to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What's the solution to an ineffective church, a a church that many find uh, answering questions nobody is asking? Well, according to the, the New Testament, the testimony of the newborn baby Christian church, the solution is the Spirit alive and well in the church. When the spirit is alive and well in the church, exciting things start happening. People start being able to, 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 to act and do things that they weren't able to do before on their own. And the church becomes alive. Everyone was filled with awe. I love that picture. Everyone was filled with awe. I mean, when was the last time you felt at awe in your church experience? Wow. What's the solution to an ineffective church? Well, it's clearly it's God working through his mysterious spirit in the body, in the body. So how do we respond to this. Well, first we, fought, we find that uh, the newborn baby Christian church, they were open. They spent, uh, you know, 10 days praying. Not that, that that prayer in and of itself incites things to happen, but they, they were clearly in a, a place where their, their hearts and minds were open and God could do what only he could do in their experience. And then they were together. They were together. They were meeting uh, together. They were intentionally uh, together. This is, again, kind of profound, especially in this context of uh, an an individualistic spirituality that is becoming more and more predominant, not just outside of the church, not just for those who leave the church, but even in the church, that spirituality is only an individual thing, and I only do it on my, my own, and we read Hebrews chapter 10, this is probably written by the Apostle Paul, 
who gives this counsel, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's, let's consider as a group of people who believe that God has done something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves, how we can spur each other along. You know, you, if you, you have any cowboys here, you have the spur on your, on your, I'm not a cowboy, obviously, that is indicative of that, but you have the spur and you, you, you know, you just get the horse and then the horse goes in which direction that you want him to go because he's getting a little spurring. We're going to spur each other, we're going to encourage each other along toward Love and good deeds. And then, let's not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Don't give up meeting together. Apparently, the issue of the individualistic spirituality was a thing even in Paul's day. People were like, you know... Hanging out with these people, being around these people, it's, you know, it's not working for me. And so the temptation to go off on your own has been around for centuries. But Paul's like, don't give up because there is something meaningful about being together. When you're together, things can happen that won't happen when you're on your own. It's just there's a dynamic there. I, I, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about my, my sojourn in Indiana, the, the far-off land of Indiana. I lived in Indiana for nearly five years. Um, and in a- Indiana, they do some farming. I lived in the Manhattan of Indiana, Indianapolis, lovely town. There's one place that you, if you stand in the middle of Indianapolis, you feel like, wow, I'm in a city. And then you walk a couple blocks either way. If anybody from Indiana is watching this later, I love Indiana. love Indianapolis. <laughs> but but in, in, the, in the suburbs of, of Indianapolis, there's a lot of farming. In particular, there's corn farming. And I, had, I was in a church there, and there were some farmers there. And by the way, I didn't know this when I went there, but farmers are very high tech. I mean, you, know, you think of the farmer on the tractor putting along... These guys had the giant tractors, GPS, you know, before automated cars, their, their, their farm machinery, all automated. The guy would just get in like the biggest, cushiest seat you have ever seen, and just sit there and read a book while the, the thing just went and GPS all over the field. I'm like, really? I can do this? So there are cornfields, but what's interesting about cornfields is you don't see, I mean, for various reasons, but one reason, you don't see like single shoots of corn growing all by themselves for a number of reasons but in particular when the wind blows a single stalk of corn it's blown all over the place and it's you know it's top heavy the corn is at the top and it's thin and it blows all over and it easily can be broken or broke off but if you have a lot of corn growing together the wind is dissipated over the whole field and things can grow and be healthy and be tall and be fervent and grow great ears of corn. You guys with me here? Community. There's something important about existing in community together. So no wonder Paul's like, don't, don't give it up. Look, look, I know that it's not always going to work for you. I know you're going to go 
and, and some of it can seem just like ritual, you know, sometimes, you know, Nick isn't playing, his, somebody else is, is playing, and they're also very good, but, you know, it's just not working for you. The song, you know, sometimes Todd is just droning on and on and on, and I can't take it anymore, and how many weeks in a row is he going to preach? But don't give up meeting together. There's something important about that. There's something important about being uh, together, growing together. And, and if there are problems in your community of faith, then work together to solve those problems. Don't abandon the ship. This, this is Paul's encouragement. Don't give up meeting uh, together. If you're open to the Spirit doing its thing, you also need to be prepared to be amazed. Be amazed about what God can do in your experience. So last year, as we went through this process of kind of thinking about what, why Advent Hope exists, uh, some of you, we, we, we did it, we, we, we worked through it together as a congregation, but we also had kind of a group of people that you uh, chose to kind of be more intentional about the process of kind of verbally identifying what our purpose and our mission are here at Advent Hope. And so, you know, as we think about the church being effective, as we recognize that the church isn't or hasn't been effective for everyone, not, not just the larger church, but even Advent Hope, there are, there are those who have been a, a part of this community who aren't a part of this community now because, you know, for whatever reason, it hasn't been effective uh, for them. And so as we, we thought about that, we tried to answer this question, why do we exist? Now, I don't know if our team, oh, we got it there. You guys got it. Okay. So our purpose, so this is how we verbally have kind of tried to coalesce our thoughts, that we exist to live in loving, worshipful relationship with God and in loving community with one another, empowered by the Holy Spirit to participate in God's reconciling and restorative work through Jesus Christ of healing broken relationships between God and all people and between all members of the human family. Sarah, I have to say, I don't know if you read this or uh, you, you, were, you, you were sharing in, in the three questions and it sounded very, very similar, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, so this, is, this is how we're, we, we, we wanted to verbalize what we want to become, but the reality is this is not Advent Hope yet. This is what we, we want to be. I mean, we, we want to be rooted in this. So as we start thinking about what Avon Hope is, is doing, as we think about the things that we, we invest our time and the financial resources that you've dedicated to this uh, community, we want to be driven by this idea of living as a community together, a loving, worshipful community who's growing in relationship with each other and with God, who's not going to give up on each other, even when even when the community isn't necessarily working for us. I mean, you, you know, listen, any relationship, any rela- even the most healthy relationship, sometimes it just doesn't feel like it's working. You, listen, I'm going to confess, I've been married 20, 20 years. Mercy. <laughs> my, my wife is, is in, in Louisville, Kentucky right now with, with Susanna, my daughter, and they're enjoying some time over there so I can talk freely because she's not going to watch the video. No, no. <laughs> She's busy doing other things. She's not here. Now, the boy, Levi's looking at me, which he's going to tell on me. But look, there are sometimes, even in the most healthy relationship, where it just, it, things don't feel like they're working. Y'all with me here? 
You know, you're just off base, you're, you're busy doing other things, you're investing time and energy in other aspects of your life, and, and it just is not connecting. You know what you don't do? You don't give up in those moments. If you give up in those moments, everything is destroyed. In those moments, it's time to invest back into the relationship. Paul says, don't, don't stop meet Just because it's not working for you right now, don't stop meeting together. If this relationship means something, then, 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 then invest in making the relationship work. Don't give up. We, we, we live in loving, worshipful relationship with God and in loving community with each other. This is the kind of people that we want to be. We're not there. We're not there yet. I mean, is there, is there some loving, worshipful relationship with God in the community that is, is Advent Hope? Yes. Is it predominant in everything that we're doing? No, we have to be honest and say no. Are we, are we empowered in everything that we're doing by the Holy Spirit? No. We're going to be open, though, to God doing his thing, and we're not going to give up when things aren't growing uh, great. What do we do? What, what are the, the actions that we do? We, we are intentional about cultivating a community that learns and teaches to follow Jesus. We, we, this is what, as a community, we've decided we want to be about. We want to be a community that cultivates, uh, that cultivates a community. We want to be a people that cultivate, cultivates a community that learns and teaches how to follow Jesus, how to be disciples. This is our mission. This is what we do. Are we there yet? By no means. Are there people who are disenfranchised? Are you feeling maybe that you're not in the, where you want to be in your church experience? Maybe, maybe. But if we join together and we, we make a, a, a commitment that we're going to let God do what only he can do in our experience, he'll do what only he can do in our experience. Our last text, John chapter uh, 13. Uh, Jesus says this, this, he is on the last night before he dies. So these, these are, are precious words he's giving to his, his followers. And he sits down to dinner. In fact, we're going to sit down to a dinner much like this next week where we celebrate the communion together. And these last moments, he says this, a new command I give you, love one another. Love one another. You're going to have some tough times. There's going to be some times when you're disconnected. Just It happens in every relationship. Even if you've been married for 20 years and you, you love each other, sometimes it's just, it doesn't, it's not working. Love one another. Just as I've loved you, so you must love one another by this, by this one thing, everyone will know that you're my followers if you love one another. Listen, it's easy to love each other when everything is going great, right? When the songs are just all hitting it for you. Hosanna, in the highest. But what about those moments when it's not working? Still love one another. This is how People are going to know that we're followers of Jesus. We have love for each other that, 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 that supersedes whether everything is going great in our experience, whether we're feeling good. A new command I give you, 
Love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. This is how everyone's going to know that you're my followers. Here, here, listen, here at Avon Hope, we want to be a community where we can worship and love one another, get to know each other, and get to know a God. We have to join together and let God do what only he can do through the power of his spirit to make that happen in our experience. And that's my prayer as we begin 2017 together, that we can, that we can become a community that cultivates uh, a growth. Kyle's going to come in just a few minutes and talk a little bit about one of the ways, I'm not going to steal his thunder, but one of the ways in which we want to do this, because we're, look, look, we don't have all the answers, but we're committed, we're committed as a, as a community, we're committed as a leadership team. We've got, we got a leadership retreat next week. We're going to send some of our volunteers up there. We're going to talk more about this, but we're committed to, to living, to living God's dream for us, to living in love with each other and becoming that kind of community. And so I invite you now to pray with me. Father God, we thank you for the, uh, the testimony of that newborn baby Christian church and the experience that they went through. We recognize that they faced some challenges, some ups and downs, but that your spirit was alive and well and working in that community. We want your spirit to be alive and well and working in this community. We recognize that oftentimes we've been far from effective we recognize that there are, are people here today and people who aren't here today who just haven't been feeling it with Advent hope or with Christianity at large. We recognize that there's an entire community of people who haven't given up faith but haven't found any reason to be among this community. And so we repent of our ineffectiveness. And we pray that your spirit will be alive and well in all that we do here, and that you'll make us into the kind of community that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.